It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And if you heard the words that I just said in that promo, not me, but that were recorded on that promo, it talks about being vulnerable, being raw, and being authentic. And that's what I'm promising you today, vulnerable, vulnerability, rawness, and authenticity. And you guys, that stuff's hard. Friends, that is hard stuff. But I'm going to share with you some of the things that I'm going through because I think that's supportive to seeing that in the world right now, there are very few people, I would argue probably none, that aren't going through something. We're all being impacted by the war in Ukraine. So Russia, Ukraine, that that is absolutely having an impact. Whether we recognize it or not, it's having an impact on us because there's this underlying level of stress that exists exists in this world. You add on to that here in the United States, but it's very similar across the world. We've got our fuel prices have skyrocketed. So it is absolutely impacting a significant number of people financially. As a business owner, it's hitting me in a lot of different ways. We own some consumer-based businesses as well as the work that I do here. And so you've got rising electricity bills. So four times the cost in one of our buildings, four, literally four times the cost. But now I can't pass that cost on to my consumers in the very moment that it occurs because it was truly an unexpected rise. And so you've got all of these things hitting us. That doesn't even begin to say how we're handling the people around us and the emotions that might exist in us or others. And so now you've got other things happening. I've got family challenges with my my oldest child who's growing at a, a wonderful rate, but just a little bit different than his peers. And so he has what's known as growth hormone deficiency. Now, it sounds a lot worse than it is. All it means is we get to give him some boosters to support him to get into the growth and the bone strength and some of these other things in his body to be at his optimal and healthiest state. So again, not a big deal, but you add that into everything else. And all of a sudden, you've got a lot of stuff that gets in our way. In addition, I shared with you in my last show how in January I fell. That was really not a big fall in my mind, but it caused a lot of damage. And I was in physical therapy. I actually didn't get cleared until March 2nd. So that was my birthday. Yay, that happened. But I fell on January 3rd and I didn't get cleared from PT until March 2nd. So for two months, I went to PT two to three times a week in order to heal from that what seemed a very small injury. At the same time, my dad, who has had, he was on the show in last June. He's a phenomenal neuroscientist and my dad. He has so much wisdom to share. Go check out that episode. But he also has lived with radiated bowels. He had cancer when I was 10 and he has lived with the consequences of radiation. So he's, this is somebody who had stage four perforated bowels Uh, So cancer was very extensive in his body, which basically meant that his chance of living five years was 20%, a 20% chance of living five years. And he's lived for 29 years. So he's had a phenomenal life. He's gotten to see my sisters and myself grow up. He's gotten to see us get married. He's gotten to welcome five grandbabies into the world. And there are absolutely consequences to that. There are prices that he gets to pay. And one of those is this, this radiated bowel, which basically just means a portion of his bowel was dead, was dying, and it caused him immense pain. And so 
a couple weeks ago, February 21st, we went to Iowa City, which is a couple hours away from our house. He, he lives very close to me here in Des Moines, Iowa. And we drove for two hours to uh, go see if we could do anything about this. And the surgeon ended up, she did an extensive surgery. That, and I tell you all this because we're going to get to a conversation about blind spot, but this is, I really want to set the stage for you, okay? So the day of his surgery, the surgeon was anticipating that this surgery would be eight to 10 hours. And I'm sitting here, they only let one person in the hospital. So my sisters were in town, but they couldn't be in the hospital. So they went shopping, which is cool for them. At the same time, like, oh, I want to go shopping. That would be fun. But I I got to be in the hospital, which was actually a, a, a cool role, a place to be and stressful and all these other things. So stuff comes up. It's hard to, to, be, to be in that role. And yet it's something that I was excited because when my mom died, and I've talked about this on this show too, I didn't get to be there. Nobody could be in the hospital. And so this time I got to be there. So it's exciting. So the surgeon's saying probably eight to 10 hours. Well, about halfway through, about four hours through, it was noon and I, we'd been at the hospital at 5.30. So I was hungry. So I went to go get lunch in the hospital. You don't leave the hospital. But I told this lady at the front desk, hey, I'm going to to go get food. If you need anything, call me. But there's these text messages that the hospital sends out and they let you know uh, where, where your loved one is in the process. So started surgery, continuing as normal. They're pretty generic, but they at least let you know about the process. Well, I had been getting these generic text messages, but it was just, everything was continuing as normal. So I go to get my lunch. I sit down to eat my lunch. The second I put my fork in my food, I bring it up to my mouth, and I see a text message pop up that says, the surgeon wants to meet with you. Not that not your, your loved one is out of surgery. The surgeon wants to meet with you. And then I see a call pop up. And it's the lady that was at the front desk. And she says, Kathleen, you've got to get back here. The surgeon wants to meet with you. So I pack up my lunch really quick. I'm running to the elevator. I text my sisters who are shopping. And I say, hey, I'm meeting with a surgeon. And I didn't hear that dad's out of surgery. So I think we're going to be having this conversation about how far does she want me to just, should we go? Should just, this bowel's too bad. We got to stop. What do I do here? And I was ready to make that decision. My sisters are saying, Hey, we're coming back. And I said, there's nothing you can do. You might as well keep shopping. You can't get into the hospital. This is a decision that I can call you, but you can't be here. And I knew very clearly because my dad has given me the, the, his thoughts on how far it would go. So I go into this room, the surgeon shows up and she says, oh, good, you got food because it was sitting next to me. And she says, we're all done. So what do you mean we're all done? What do you mean we're all done? And she says, well, I got in there and I was expecting to untangle this kind of mess. And and it was like a Christmas light ball where you just pick it up and say, whoo, that is tangled. And oftentimes you decide to just throw away the ball by new lights instead of untangling the ball. She says, that's kind of what I did. I said, hmm, this is going to take way too long. And I'm not sure there's anything that's survivable here. So I'm just going to cut it out. So she took out 42 inches of bowel. Now, the reason that I tell you this is because the look on my face, if you could have seen me at that moment, I mean, my, my jaw was open. I really had to shut it <laughs> to remind myself, okay, got it. So she tells me this and she says, I think he's going to be okay. I said, okay, what do you mean by okay? because my dad has been through a series of pain. He's been in extensive pain for the past two years, but really 29 years. 
I just, I think he's going to be okay. I said, you mean like, okay, like he's, he's going to be alive. What do you mean by that? She says, well, we'll see. And she goes, I, I know that uh, bowel obstructions and all these issues that he's been having, those could be a really big challenge, but I think he might be okay. Okay. Didn't, didn't know whether to believe or not. And there was a piece of me that really didn't, didn't want to believe it because if I believed it and then it didn't need to have that occur, I was giving myself false hope. And so that came up. I mean, so many emotions. Can you relate to this? Where there's something you really want to believe, you really want to grasp onto, but at the same time, you're like, I don't know that I, that's really the best spot because am I setting myself up to fail? You ever been there? Yeah, I mean, think about that. What is that for you? you do I want to, I really want to set myself up to fail. So I said, well, thank you to her. And I went about, <laughs> went back to the, to the waiting room because he got to wake up from surgery. And eventually later on in the day, I got to go see him and he was great dragged up. He doesn't remember any of that. But as the days went on, we ended up being in Iowa city for eight more days, a total of nine days. And then we came home and he was home for a couple of days. And then we went back because he had another, he had a complication. And so we went back, we were in the hospital for another five days, but luckily it was here. We didn't have to go to Iowa city. We stayed here where we live. And uh, then we came home and So we've been in this kind of waiting game for a while. And one of the things, and this is why I spent so much time leading into this, is that as a high performer, as an executive advisor, as someone who, let's just, I like to deal with big challenges in the world. I like to deal with big challenges in the workplace. I thrive on change and challenges. This one, this, this series of things has been hard. It has tapped a different level of challenge in me. It has reminded me that I'm human. And what I mean by that is as much as I want something to exist in a certain outcome, and as much as I want to forge forward, I also get to give myself grace. Now, if you're somebody who sometimes forgets to give yourself grace, let's just do a self-acknowledgement here. Raise your hand to yourself, acknowledge it like, yeah, that's me. But oftentimes we will extend grace to others, but we forget to extend it to ourselves. And to remember that we're humans. So yes, we're high performers. Yes, we can take on a lot of challenges. Of course, we can tackle. You say, hey, go raise a million dollars. Go start a business. Go build this in your department. Go work with a team of 100 people. Yes, 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 and yes. Now go fight for someone's life in a hospital when you're not sure if they're going to live or die while all this other stuff's going on. And remember to give yourself grace. That's the hard part. That's the part that I often forget. And so what I know about myself is that that's my blind spot. I often forget to give myself grace. And on the flip side of that is this perfectionist tendency. And I don't mean perfectionist as in perf- everything has to be perfect. I mean that I don't always let myself see that I am human and that being human means that oftentimes we can have emotions, we can be uh, frustrated or sad or any of those things. And it's okay. We forget to give ourselves grace. And so for me, that's my blind spot. 
I know that about myself because I've learned it. What I recognize is when I get into that position where I start to get frustrated, where it feels like the world's spinning around and I can't see clearly, clarity is my gift. And when I can't see clearly and I start to get frustrated about that, the people closest to me know, hey, Kathleen, hmm, blind spot, boop, boop, boop. It's like these lights going off. Hey, remember, that's your blind spot. Give yourself grace. So blind spots is what we're digging into today. And that whole setup is to say that when you know your blind spots, when when I know that grace is the thing that I often forget to give myself, and I know how that's going to show up, that when I'm going through heavy stuff like what I just described, I know that there's going to be a tendency for me to forget to give myself grace. And I know that when that happens, I tend to get frustrated. I tend to get on a short fuse. I tend to be not as clear in my focus or my clarity. So these are all the signs. Now, because we're human, when those signs happen, we don't always register that that's our blind spot. So this is why it's so important that the people around you know your blind spot. And hey, guess what? They all know it. They just may not have words for it. They'll say, oh, Kathleen, oh, yeah, I can tell when this happens. When your blind spot is coming on at you, when it is going off, I can see it. But what often happens is that we forget to then communicate it back. So I've taught the people around me that when I'm acting like this, when I'm in a stressful situation and then here's how I'm acting, please say to me, Kathleen, remember to give yourself grace because I forget that's my blind spot. And so what we're talking about today is how do you know what your blind spot is? How do you know what your blind spot is? How do you see the blind spot in someone else? And how do you communicate that? Because all this stuff is great to know, but if you can't communicate it, you can't have a conversation about it, guess what? It doesn't matter. Blind spots are key. They're in our way so much so that they stop us from what we really want. So when we know what our blind spots are, when we know what's really in our way, we can get them out of the way. Isn't that beautiful? That's the goal. All right, so we are going to go on a quick break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here at Inspired Choices Network. We'll be back here after a quick break. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking about blind spots. So I gave this big lead into there are a lot of people in this world that are dealing with some heavy stuff right now. And so what that means is blind spots are flaring up like crazy, which means the stuff that gets in our way, anger, frustration, stress, judgment, all those things are showing up. I have never heard so many random honking horns. Have you been driving on the road and heard the amount of horns they're going off, people slamming on horns because they're irritated or frustrated? I've just never heard that before. Now, perhaps it's my driving because I happen to hear it. I don't believe that they're honking at me, but you know, maybe they are. <laughs> That's a blind spot for me. But I believe that the amount of anxiety that is in this world in this moment is very high. And a lot of that is underneath that is understanding what exactly we're talking about today, these blind spots. So why do blind spots even exist? Because gosh, it'd be great if we didn't have them, wouldn't it? I mean, if nothing could stand in our way, if we could see what our challenges are, well, that would be easy. But blind spots really exist to protect us, okay? So one of a common blind spot is a, a fear of a commitment. So I've got a number of friends and people that are close to me. When I ask them, especially for support, they're very, I'm very supportive network, and, which is great. I've gotten to see that because I've been in some, some pretty intense situations like the one that we're walking through now. But uh, my husband's nearly died a couple of times. My youngest son, when he was born, that was a crazy experience too. He almost died many, many times. And so I really got to reach out for support and the, my community showed up in a really big way. And so I tell you this because blind spots are meant to protect us. And there, one of the blind spots, if you have a fear of commitment, is that you, when someone asks something of you, your initial reaction is no. And the word doesn't always come out as no. It's not always that clear. It might often come off as an excuse of, well, I got to check with somebody else. I got to check with my husband. I got to check with my wife. I got to check with my kids. Or it could be, uh, I don't know. I got to check my calendar. And so there's always something in between being a yes or a no and their actual answer. So it comes off as an excuse. And so oftentimes it's just a fear of commitment. Now, when somebody who has a fear of commitment as a blind spot, when that comes across, we can choose to be mad about it. Oh, this is just this person not committed again. Ah, why won't they give me a yes or a no? Or we can realize that whatever they're putting between their yes or no is really just giving them time to go back and see, are they a yes or a no? So processing time might be a little bit slower. They may have the, that fear piece. They get to go and analyze and determine, is this something they really want to do? There's some people who will give you a yes or no right away. You know those people. Perhaps you are those people. And then there's the people that give themselves space to really think about it or create another excuse. And that can be agonizing. I've got somebody in my life very close to me that every time I ask this person for anything, any kind of support, unless it is something that is happening in the next like 60 minutes, so there's not time for a, an excuse, it is a yes or a no, unless it's something in the, in the next 60 minutes that I'm asking, the answer is probably not. It's always probably not. That used to drive me nuts because I would say, hey, do you want to go to lunch? Well, pr probably not. Do you want to go to lunch next Thursday? It's a week away. 
next Thursday. Would that be good for you? Or, or sh share with me another date that might work. Well, probably not. My schedule's pretty full. Or, hey, uh, you know what? My kids would love to see you. Would you like to, would you like to have them over at some point? And this person loves to have my children over and play with them. Loves my kids. But I'd say, hey, when would be a good time? They'd say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to feel well. Uh, I might have a challenge with that. Well, I used to get frustrated by that. And when I'm not giving myself grace, when I'm stressed, I still do get frustrated by that. But normally what I, when I'm even, which is 99% of the time, when I'm even, when I'm neutral, I realize that this person, it's not that this person doesn't want to spend time with my kids. It's not that this person doesn't want to go to lunch. It's not that this person doesn't want to do things. It's that this person has a fear of commitment. And so it comes off as uh, probably not. Then what happens is I give space, time, and I say, okay, you just let me know. And usually within an hour to two hours, I get a note back or a call back saying, hey, how about lunch Thursday at 1130? Does that work for you? I can't do Thursday. How about Tuesday? I can't, uh, how about we have the kids over at this time? Whatever that is. And so I realized that the blind spot for that person is that fear of commitment initially. So when the immediate ask happens, there is a fear of commitment and it comes across as a probably not in anything that I ask at any point. And it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how this person processes information. So when I know what that blind spot is, then I don't get frustrated about what's actually happening. So I know that if I have an ask that is not something that is occurring within the next 60 minutes, so there's, there's not a significant urgency to it, then I get to honor the process that this person is going through and give them the space to go through their process and know that they'll get back to me within usually the day, an hour to two hours, and say, hey, how about this? So hear that difference. When we jump on somebody's words immediately, even though that's their blind spot, we are feeding into it. And that's our blind spot because we're not realizing their process or recognizing their process. Okay. So being really clear about the blind spots of the people that you're interacting with is really important because I easily could get frustrated about that situation. And in the past I have, but now I remember, oh, that's how this process works. That's their blind spot. And I've had conversations about it. I realize that it's not going to change as much as I would like it if we could just say, hey, can we all just, can we just agree? Could this person and I just agree that let's get rid of the probably not? Like, it doesn't really serve anything. Can you just say, hey, can you give me an hour or two hours to think about this and I'll get back with you? Like, can we just agree that that's the words you're going to use instead of probably not? Well, I can't ask that of someone because that's their process. And if I did ask that, it's me projecting what I want on them. Instead, I get to hear the probably not as the words that I wanna hear. So when this person says probably not, now what I hear is, I'll get back to you in an hour or two and let you know what it is that is really going on. So do you hear that difference? So that's how I hear it, that's how I interpret it. And that's how this person shows up. Great, no problem. So we've found a way, a healthy way to move forward through this blind spot. Now, the thing about blind spots is everyone else can see them, but the person who's got the blind spot. We can't see our own blind spots. Just like when you're driving. So, you know, semi-trucks this is the greatest example of a blind spot. 
you know, semi trucks, their blind spot is really big. They have signs on the back of the trucks to show the blind spot. If you've ever seen these signs, so you can actually see the blind spots of the trucks. The blind spot of the truck extends from the front door of the truck, the cab door, all the way, like 10 feet beyond the back of the cab or of the, of the truck, of the whatever they're hauling. That's a really big blind spot. And it's on both sides. Now, my van, I drive a super sweet minivan. My van is not as big as a semi-truck. <laughs> Feels that big sometimes, but that's not it. It is, you know, a third of the size of a typical load that a semi-truck hauls. Maybe not even that, maybe like a quarter. But either way, it's not that big. And I have these little uh, yellow, they look like a car, and it's on my mirrors, on the left and the right side of my exterior mirrors, that when a car is in my blind spot, the light on this yellow light, it lights up. It looks like a little car. So I can tell there's something in my blind spot. Now, I don't know what's in my blind spot. I just know that there's something in my blind spot. Because typically when we drive, really, let's be honest, how many of us turn all the way, turn our necks off the road to be able to see completely in our blind spot when we're turning? That wouldn't necessarily even be safe. But we have little indicators on our cars to support us with that. Well, that's what we're talking about here in life. We don't always see our blind spots. We have these little indicators, but they come in, the, our friends can be, our, our people around us are our indicators. They're saying, hey, there's a blind spot here. I can see it. You can't see it. Let me support you. So it is our role as friends, coworkers, bosses, you know, employers to be the blind spot indicator for the people around us because they just don't see it yet. Once you know your blind spot, though, you know it. You know it. Now, let me give you an example. When I'm speaking, and I, I think I might have shared this a, a few shows ago, but what I find so valuable is I, I took some stickers. I was speaking to this, to this group a few weeks ago, and I took these stickers. They were Mickey Mouse stickers. That was pretty cool, which is actually irrelevant to the point here. I just want to share that with you. I'm fun. I took Mickey Mouse stickers to this presentation. And I brought somebody up from the audience. I said, hey, come here, come here. And I had them close their eyes and then face away from the audience. So their back was to the audience. And I took the Mickey Mouse sticker and I stuck it on their back. Well, this person thought for sure I put a kick me sign on their back. See, he knew that I put a sign on his back, something on his back. We didn't know what it was. He says, oh, you put a kick me sign on it. Which tells me a lot about him anyway, that he would automatically go to a point where he thought that I was going to put something that would harm him. No, no, it was a Mickey sticker. And so then I said, okay, I want you to walk around the room so that everyone sees what's on your back. So he did that. He walked around. He made sure that everybody saw it. He said, is there anybody that doesn't see it? And anybody that didn't see it, rose, they raised their hand. And he walked up to that person and he made sure that that person could see what was on his back. So when we were clear that everyone could see what was on his back and he still didn't know what was in the back, what was on his back, he came to the front of the room. And then I said, you have two minutes to figure out what's on your back. You can ask questions of the audience, yes or no questions, but they are not allowed to directly tell you what is on your back. So he started, he starts asking these questions. Is it a kick me sign? Is it a sticker? Is it taped on? So he was looking for the mechanism of what, what does it actually look like? It didn't matter what it looked like. We wanted to know what it was. So then he started getting more specific. So he figured out it was a sticker. So he says, is it an animal? Is it? And they said, yes. Is it a male or a female? They said, I think it's a male. <laughs> a male, perhaps. And so they started getting deeper and deeper. Two minutes went by. 
He says, could I have more time? Gave him 30 more seconds. It was so close, but he didn't actually get it. He was really, really close. I think if we had another couple minutes, he would have gotten there, but he was close. The audience was supporting him and giving those yes and no's. And finally, we took it off and we showed it to him. He goes, oh, that's it. And the audience is like, yes, they were, they were screaming, it's a Mickey Mouse sticker in every word, but saying it's a Mickey Mouse sticker because they weren't allowed to say that. And the whole point is everyone there knew what it was. Now, this guy, we even made sure when we put the sticker on that his one arm, he reached as far as he could reach to his back and the lower arm, he reached as far as he could underneath coming up to his back. And we put the sticker right where his fingertips couldn't touch. So wherever that gap was in his fingertips, that's where he put the sticker. So there was no way that he could even have removed the sticker from his shirt without taking the shirt off because his hands didn't work that way. He had to have somebody else support him in order to be able to see what that blind spot, that sticker was. This was such a great representation of our blind spots because everyone else around them is super clear what our blind spot is, but us. And so it requires us to ask. It requires us to ask and say, hey, what's my blind spot? Except that's terminology that you and I get because we're having this conversation. But if you go out into the world and just say, hey, I've got a blind spot, what do you think it is? Not everybody can understand that. And so, you, so some of the words that you can use are, what do you think holds me back? When you see me get stressed, how do I show up? Tell me in your opinion, what is it that gets in my way? See, these are words that other people can understand and can say, oh, well, let me tell you. And most of the time, we're so happy to share what we see as what gets in somebody's way because this is actually the biggest gift. Or you could say, this is one of my favorites. Hey, when I'm being a jerk, how am I showing up? Like, really, I mean, being curious, lean in, hand under, under your chin. I mean, really just be curious and say, hey, tell me what it's like when I'm a jerk. Because we've all had those moments where we're not kind. We choose something else. Even the kindest people in the world, Mother Teresa, sometimes chose to not show up in her best self. And so when we ask those questions and we use those words that are very relational, that's going to get us that information. And then we just listen. We're not listening from a judgment perspective. We're just truly listening. What is it that we, we act like? Because how I think I am and how others think I am, that's probably going to be different. I think that I have got my stuff together when I'm stressed and frustrated. I may, I may appear stressed and frustrated, but you know what? I got a lot of stuff going on on my plate. Don't people understand that? But what other people see is anger frustration, quick to judge. If those are the things that they see, then we get to listen and hear because those are our blind spots. Anger could be a blind spot. Righteousness is a blind spot. Righteousness, when we want to be right, we'd rather be right than on a team. We'd rather be right than part of a family. We'd rather be right than a part of a department. We'd rather be right than hit our company goals. Any of this ringing true? Blind spots are so important because they get in our way. But when we know what our blind spots are, it's the most beautiful thing. It's so freeing. I know that my blind spot is not giving myself grace. Guess what? When I see that my blind spot is flaring up, when my husband says to me, hey, remember, give yourself grace, I get to take a deep breath, deep breath, and I get to know that it's okay that he's not judging me because of how I'm showing up. He's seeing that those are just indicators that there's something deeper going on and I get to give myself grace. 
So we're going to go on a quick break. While we're on that break, I want you to think about what your blind spot is. Really just think about it. And if you don't know what it is, think about who you can ask. Think about the people around you that you can ask to say, huh, I wonder what my blind spot is. Think about that. All right, we're going on a quick break. You're listening to The Kathleen Recent Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Recent Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Recent for your next event at KathleenRecent.com. That's KathleenReason.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Recent Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Recent Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Today, we've been talking all about blind spots and why it's so important to understand what your blind spots are. Once you know what your blind spots are, you can really get out of your own way because that's really what blind spots stop us. They hold us back. So fear can be a big blind spot. We talked about mine. Mine is that the blind spot is this perfectionist tendency. I'm not giving myself grace. So it's this inhuman blind spot, meaning that it's okay for everyone else to have emotions, to have these feelings, to not be perfect, but it's not okay for me. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work. We get to give ourselves grace. So when I, even though I teach about emotional intelligence, I understand emotional intelligence. At the end of the day, I don't like to feel my emotions. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to cry. I don't want to be sad. I want to be joyful. I want to enjoy every moment. I want to laugh. But when emotions happen, that's, that's part of being human. That's actually a trade-off to being human. If I wanted to be an alien or you know, some other character, then I wouldn't have to have emotions. But I'm human. And the, the, pure, the difference of what a human is versus other animals is that we experience emotions. And that can get in our way, but it can also be a really freeing thing. So we could talk all about stuffing emotions and all these other, other aspects of emotional intelligence, but ultimately being human is a landmark of being a human being. So shocker. I know this, that's probably my biggest quote from today's show. Being human is actually a landmark of being a human being. And I say that laughing because being a human means that we are going to have these emotions and we get to give ourselves grace when we're in the messy the messy. And we've just, the messy means it's not clean. It means there's lots of things going on. If you listen to the intro of this show, the best way to describe that is messy. Now, I enjoy messy 
when it's out there, not when it's in here. Meaning if you could see me right now, out there, I'm pointing outside. In here, I'm pointing at me. I don't like the messy when it's in here. Ugh. But that's part of being a human being. It's, it's giving ourselves grace that that is going to happen and that it's okay. It's a normal part of life. And so that's the thing that I understand that my blind spot is, I don't like messy in here. <laughs> I don't like messy in me. I like it out there. I like it out there. But when it's in me, then I get to give myself grace. And so that's my blind spot. And the question is, what is your blind spot? Like we talked about just before break, if you're not sure, go ask people. But don't go say, what's your blind spot? Because they don't get that language. So, so we got some leading questions. Let's look at some other common blind spots because perhaps you'll see yourselves in these. So judgment is a big blind spot. Judgment, okay? The opposite of judgment is curiosity. So I was watching the Tinder Swindler. That is a really hard to say. I always want to say Twinder Swindler. Tinder Swindler, which is a show on Netflix. If you guys haven't seen it, it's like this. You just can't stop watching it. It's like, it's like popcorn, right? You're putting it in your mouth. You don't realize you've eaten the bowl of popcorn, but you're like, oh, I can't believe this happened. So Tinder Swindler. We're also watching Inventing Anna right now, Anna Delphi. This crazy show I was looking this morning on Wikipedia, very credible news source. I'm looking on Wikipedia and I'm seeing the actual Anna Delphi story and it is incredible. So I'm not going to blow these stories for you, but watch these shows. There's tons of them and Tinder Swindler and Inventing Anna are two of the most popular right now. But I'm watching these, these shows and I watched one with a friend of mine. And while we're watching the Tinder Swindler, my friend, she, she was in judgment. I can't believe that somebody would be so stupid that this could happen to them. I can't believe it. Every other word was this judgment. Now, this person is not mean, is not uh, like a, a crude person, but every other word that came out was this judgment. Now, since Tinder Swindler came out, I have had a number of friends who have actually shared stories about how they have gotten caught up in experiences similar to the Tinder Swindler. So this is actually like a really big thing that was under the wraps for a long time. It wasn't talked about. And then when these stories started coming out, like Tinder Swindler and Betty Nana, then people, I'll say common day people, but what I mean is people just like you and me that have these stories, they started posting these stories or talking about them. And so then I found out that two people that I also am, am close with had, I knew their stories, but I didn't know them to the depth of relating it. I didn't have the languaging of saying that they, they're these narcissistic people that, that do these very interesting uh, criminal things and create these, li these ulterior lives and get other people sucked into them. And then money is, is given or gifted. And it, it's just, it's really a, such a different world from where I live. And I can look at it from one of the different ways. Now, my friend, when we were watching them, she chose judgment. She chose to say, that would never happen to me. That couldn't happen to me. Well, the reality is it could. I remember a, a guy named Philip McKernan. I interviewed him a few years ago. He's this Irish guy, lived in Colorado at the time. And he runs this, this company. And he said that the people, it's called One Last Talk. Okay, so One Last Talk. And the whole point of One Last Talk is that, that he says, I believe that everybody has a story in them. 
their life story. And most people will go to the grave without ever sharing it. He says the people that are in jail, this is the big part. The difference between somebody that's in jail and you or me is a very fine line, like a very, very fine line. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, no, no way. Then I really thought about that. The difference between somebody that's in jail and me is a very fine line. And that's absolutely the truth. Because think about this. I grew up in a very privileged environment. So had I not, I would have taken a different path, fine line. I've had some deep experiences where I had some choices. I could have chosen what I considered to be the right choice or the wrong choice. The wrong choice would have been illegal. And I have chosen what I believe to be the right choice each time. But had I chosen differently, fine line. And so there's lots of different experiences we can look at in our life and say, huh, the actual difference between somebody that's in jail and us is a very fine line. You look at these stories and you think about how they started and it was just one little lie that then created these huge lies. So the Tinder swindler, how he started out and how he ended, it was a really fine line in the beginning that he crossed over. And once he did, it opened up this whole other world for him. In Benignana, I'm only halfway through the show. It's, again, it's like eating popcorn. This stuff is it's crazy. Go watch the show. But it started out in a very fine line. So the difference between somebody that's in jail and me, very fine line. And I tell you this because you can either be in curiosity about it or you can be in judgment of it. You can say, oh, that person's not me. I would never choose that path. Well, maybe. Maybe not. I, looked, I did this food simulation a few years ago. And... I said, gosh, I wouldn't steal food. I wouldn't uh, steal money. But then what it came down to in this simulation was my children were hungry, like on the verge of starvation. And there was food left over at this cafe, just sitting out. Taking the food meant that you were stealing and that you could go to jail for that. But your food, your family wanted to eat. And this food was there. Would you take the food to feed your family? And I can tell you right now, I would take the food to feed my family. If my children were starving and I had no other way to get them food and there was food right there, would I take the food to feed my family? Absolutely. Now, that would be illegal. And I, if I was caught, I could go to jail for that. So again, fine line. But if our blind spot is judgment and we don't believe that that could be us, that's where it gets to be dangerous. And so when we recognize that our blind spot is judgment, we get to look at what's really underneath that. So when judgment's going off, when I sense judgment in my friend, when my friend was saying throughout half of Tinder Swindler, oh, I couldn't believe it. How could this person make this choice? I finally paused the show and I said, this is really interesting. What would you do in a situation? And we started talking about this. We started getting down to the depths of basically when I paused, I said, whoa, blind spot indicator, whoa, 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 your blind spots are going off. So I paused it and I said, hey, your blind spot is lit up right now. What is going on? And then my friend says, whoa, I didn't recognize. I didn't know my blind spots were going off. Okay. Then we turned the show on. And we watched it, but she watched it from a different lens this time. She watched it from curiosity. Gosh, how did, I don't think that I would be the person that would choose this path. How did these girls get wrapped up in the Tinder swindler? This is really interesting. 
that's a totally different lens. But my friend who who's, isn't usually in judgment only when she's frustrated or only when she's feeling off kilter or only when she's feeling scared and vulnerable, like, huh, this could be something that I could fall into. So I'm going to put up a wall and that wall is going to look like judgment. Any of that ring true? Have you ever seen that in someone else or perhaps in yourself? Judgment. Another big one is ego. I have a client right now whose ego is off the charts. This person made sure to tell me all about their spouse and how they're, because they have this spouse, they're going to make it to be an executive in this big, big corporation within the next two years and is so excited about it. I talked with this person for an hour. This person runs a team. 45 minutes in, I said, hey, tell me about your team. Because for the first 45 minutes, not once did he mention his team. And yet, I was hired to support this person in growing their team and being making productive team members, being a more effective leader. 45 minutes and didn't once mention the team. Told me all about where they were going, what they were creating, what they wanted but didn't mention the team and how it's going to bring other people along. Now, this person is not a bad person. This person is a star. There's no question about it. But what this person isn't yet is a star maker. That means this person isn't focused on growing other people. So this person is not an executive. An executive gets to focus on being a star maker as well as a star. Hear that difference? So there's nothing wrong with that, but his ego's getting in his way. What's going to stop him from being an executive? His ego. Because guess what there's no room for in the boardroom? Guess what there's no room for in the family room? Guess what there's no room for in the bedroom? Ego. It doesn't, it's, there's no room for it. But that's oftentimes a blind spot that comes up. And most of the time, people don't want to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, your ego is so out of control meaning it's getting in your way. And yet it's the most loving thing that we could do and say, hey man, I love you. I see that you're a star, I get that. And guess what's getting in your way in my experience? It's your ego. A lot of people aren't willing to have that conversation, but you, you get to, because that's what we're talking about today. All right, we're gonna dig into this just a little bit more. We've got a little bit left of the show, but we're gonna go on a quick break before we do that. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We're talking all about blind spots today, and we have mentioned examples of blind spots. And one of the things that I just want to mention, I want to bring in another example, because the ones that I've given you so far, like giving ourselves grace, the judgment, the the ego, a lot of those are like top down, meaning we are, it's like domineering or, or, uh, really, really strong blind spots. And one of the blind spots that I also want to indicate, just to give you an example, that blind spots can exist in any way, they can look a lot of different ways, is that one of, a big blind spot that I see is enough, okay, enough. And what I mean by that is, am I enough? And oftentimes under that is a lack of confidence. 
Okay, so people won't choose jobs. This is really interesting. I often see this with females, but it happens in males a lot too. But the, the most common is where you see it with females where they wouldn't necessarily choose a job because, well, they're only 95% qualified instead of 100% qualified. So am I really enough? Or that might be a little bit scary. It might be a little bit far-fetched to think that I could be in that position. So I'm not going to apply for it. Am I enough? Or maybe that this person has a very strong opinion on something, but they don't necessarily feel like they've got all of the facts to be able to defend it or that they can stand in the fire or the heat of a lot of dominant people. And so am I enough to carry my voice forward? So enough can also be a blind spot. So tapping somebody on the shoulder and saying, hey, guess what? You are enough. You can do this. And just giving them that little bit of a nudge, that can often be really powerful in supporting them and getting out of their own way. It's recognizing that, hey, guess what? You're totally enough. The story in your head of saying that you're not enough, it's just a story. Move forward. You got this. I'm right there with you. That can be a really powerful interruption to a blind spot. So we all have blind spots. Okay, we're crystal clear that we all have blind spots. And most of us don't have a clue what our blind spots are. So today's show is really about understanding that we all have blind spots, that we can be the biggest interruption to other people in their blind spots, and we can have these loving conversations with them. Remember the languaging we've talked about in the show, my experience of you is, are you open to feedback? Like these kinds of questions are, we get to bring those in. So you can say, are you open to feedback? I think I can see what's standing in your way. Now, again, you and I can talk in terms of blind spots, but unless the person you're talking to knows blind spot, then it's not going to be effective languaging. So leave that between the conversations that we're having and then use languaging that they would use. So something that's getting in their way. That's some, a lot of people can understand that. Make sure that you're talking in the language that they understand. Then you want to know your blind spot? Just ask people. They know, and they're probably really excited to share it with you. Remember the questions that we asked earlier. Remind yourself. You can go back and listen to the show. You can hear the questions that are coming up around blind spots. But know that this is when you think about where you want to go and what you want to create. You don't want people to know you for your blind spots. You want people to know you for who you are. And so you get to know what your blind spots are. That's really, really, really important. And it actually leads into next week's show. It's about common pitfalls of leading a powerful team. Yes, of course, common pitfalls of leading a powerful team is the perfect next week's show because guess what? Knowing your team's blind spots, knowing your own, but knowing your team's blind spots is really important to leading a powerful team. You gotta know what's getting in their way because you get to be their number one cheerleader, you get to be their number one interrupter, your job is to see what gets in their way, interrupt it, and cheer them on to move forward. That is the job of being a leader. And so in order to do that, of course, you get to understand blind spots. And then we lead on to what are some of those other pitfalls? So we're going to talk about how do you be an interruption, a loving interruption? How do you cheer them on in the way that they want to be cheered on? Because guess what? I would love to stand at the finish line or the halfway point and say, hey, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But guess what? Some people want me behind them with their cattle prod. Now, that's kind of fun some days, but I don't know. Some people like that. Some people don't. Some people want me running beside them. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's be fun. Some people want my mouth shut. They don't want to see me unless they fall down, and then they want me right there. 
So this common pitfalls of leading a powerful team is about learning how to lead from in front, beside, behind, diagonal, zigzag, a million miles away, virtual environment. Maybe you've heard a lot of people are running virtual companies that worked two, three, four years ago. That's a whole other challenge. But guess what? The pitfalls of leading a powerful team and how you support other people, it doesn't really matter whether they're in front of you or not. It doesn't really matter whether you can physically touch them or not. That's irrelevant. It's about understanding what stands in their way and being willing to be the leader that's going to support them, it's going to stand by them, it's going to cheer them on, it's going to interrupt them, regardless of what is happening around them. And in order to do that, you've got to know their blind spots. Today's show might be one of the most critical pieces to how we lead a team. Today's show might be the most critical pieces to how we lead the team, understanding your team's blind spots. Because it's so important to our human connection. Because this is what stands in the way of what we really want, individually, professionally, but personally, professionally, and as a team. This is what it's about. Interpersonal communication, interpersonal strength, building a life that's worth it, building a company that's worth it. I don't know about you, but of all the stuff that I've been through the last, let's just say 2022, let's just just include that. I really only want to spend my time doing things that actually matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do it. But who decides what matters? Me. And if I'm stuck in a blind spot, I can't really see it. And that's why it's so important to have people around you that understand your blind spots. So when you do figure that out, when people tell you that, you make sure that the people all around you know your blind spots. You make sure that your employees, that your coworkers, that your friends, that your family members, that they know it and give them permission to interrupt you when that shows up. Let them know that that is the most loving thing that they can do because who you want to be for them and for yourself is the best person that you can be. And your blind spot is what's standing in the way. That's why we spend so much time on this topic. If you have any questions, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk with you more. I have the easiest email address. It's just Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I'm happy to talk with you about any of these questions that you have, or if you have ideas on show topics that you want to hear in the future, or if you want me to talk with you about how these can be applied to your business or the people around you, let me know. Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. Happy to talk with you about what that looks like for you, for your business, for your community. Thank you so much for being on this show today. We have so many great shows coming up. I will talk to you very soon. Happy Monday. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.